Gaming on the Ear Verm Network. I am Yagamalark. And I'm Thumbs. And we are coming to you today for a special on Durdmerian and the Horde, two institutions that are nearly as old as the sport of Belagarth itself. Actually, no, they are as old, old as the sport of Belagarth itself, um, and, and just about as old as Dagger here, too. Which I did not know in Durdy's case until about today. Yeah, yeah, there, there, uh, there's some big deals within the community, so we're looking forward to talking about them today. But right before we get into that, we've got a few uh, notes in the intro for you. Uh, first off, I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners who recently uh, was writing into us from Minneapolis. It was really nice to hear from you, and and more off, more more than just being able to talk with you, Thumbs and I were really uh, happy. Really, really uh, excited about the fact that you were so interested in Belagarth itself. Like uh, this fella wrote in from Minneapolis, was kind of starting up a conversation, and was just saying how how cool uh, the this whole thing of Belagarth sounds, or the idea of foam fighting in general. And that's that's part of why we're doing this is is so that if you're a person out there sitting listening and and thinking, man, I wish this this uh, ability to hit my friends with foam sticks existed, it does. The the reality is, if you like one kind of wargaming, you'll probably like the other kind of wargaming. Like, there's there's a good chance at the very least. So, if we can bring people one way or the other, like, to the other side, that's a win. That's a win for everybody. For sure. And and again, if you're somebody who, who does the one, for instance, if you just do Belagarth, we absolutely encourage you to get out there and try some Amp Guard, some Dagger here, um, even some SCA or some HEMA, if you're feeling... Some Warhammer uh, 40k even. Yeah, and if you're feeling something a bit more laid back, not as hard, not as hard hitting, uh, some 40k is a great way to to use your mind in the same way. So, uh, thank you again, sir, for for writing into us. It just tickles us when uh, we get to talk with people and, yeah, absolutely. Look for for your Minneapolis field opening back up when this whole COVID madness is over. The next little piece of note keeping while this uh, jet airliner flies overhead, I apologize for that, is uh, you will have noticed if you guys are on our Facebook account that we've had this uh, meme peem- pinned. Peened. It was peened. And, and, and we're sitting there waiting uh, until Vegetius kind of gets started to take that down. So when you're hearing this episode, this will be the last week. So from this episode uh, to, to a week later, um, this will be the last chance to vote on the book that we do after Vegetius. Now, remember, we're going to be doing an asymmetrical warfare section after we get finished with Vegetius. So we've got some really good options up there for those topics. Um, so yeah, if you haven't voted yet, please make your way to our Facebook page and, and vote for the book of your choice. And then um, about the time that this episode is airing, we'll be, we'll be looking at that and kind of making our decision where we go from here. I really can't go wrong. All those books are fantastic. I mean, I picked yeah, up I'm all excited. four of them, and uh, I've been reading through them, and and they're all really good. They've all got some very useful information to them. So, um, looking, I'm looking forward to this this study that is going to be very beneficial for you, uh, Alpha Legion players for certain. So. Not a whole lot, though. Like, like we were just saying, the COVID madness rages on here as many other places, and so practices aren't happening, spar sessions are infrequent, and I have not been able to play any games. And so the actual war gaming that we have to talk about in this intro section is kind of sparse right now. The only thing I've really been working on is cranking out models like a madman. 
if you guys are following the Instagram account, you'll have seen the uh, that I finished the Indomitus box set. Um, I also finished off a battalion that had been sitting there looking at me since Christmas, which is just, a, you know, it's three full squads of intercessors and then a dreadnought and a captain. You're just tearing through. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I... I was very productive, uh, partially because I really had the bite. I mean, I've obviously been missing my wargaming as much as you guys probably have been. But uh, this week especially, I was really, really, really feeling the need to get out there and either hit somebody with a foam stick or, or push little plastic soldiers at them. And I didn't get a chance to, so I did what I could. Have you gotten them painted too, or is this just assembly phase? I, don't, I have no idea what your schedule is on that front. I, I, uh, commission painting for the most part. I have done a little bit of painting on my own and it is passable. Like it's got the three colors on there. It would be allowed into a tournament, but it's not going to be winning any awards. Um, my apprentice Turkey Feathers is a fantastic painter. And anytime I need something painted, I typically save up some scratch to be able to, to pay him to do a, a good job with it because he makes them look real good. Yeah. Um, I, I do a lot of artsy stuff and I have nothing but respect for people who do model painting. Cause I, that is such tiny levels, like tiny pieces. And I got big old hands. It does not go well. At all. And I got the shakes. That's, that's my issue is I've got, Ooh, I've yeah, got a hand a that too. does not stop shaking. And so, I mean, if you're doing like the side of a rhino and you're just doing like a big base coat. Like, it's not a big problem, but if I'm sitting there trying to put, like, the little red on a Space Marine's, um, like, helm lenses, then, yeah, about half the time he looks like he's just bleeding out of his eyeball, which is not the effect I'm going for. With the exception of, like, if I was doing my Death Guard. I wouldn't mind seeing some blood coming out of the eyeball if I was painting my Death Guard. Yeah, some blood eyeballs, that works for chaos. Like, yeah. Corn, maybe? Not so much my my uh, my space brains. That's not a that's not a good look. You, if he's no. doing that, he probably shouldn't be on the field. That's not a good sign. <laughs> go to, go see a doctor. So yeah, I mean, if you guys are working in on anything, uh, feel free to to post some pictures to our page. We love to see what you're working on and and encourage those uh, community uh, those conversations and and not even just models. Like if you've been sitting there working on some really cool garb or an awesome new weapon for your new season, uh, definitely share that with us as well. Uh, we're here to to keep the interest up and the morale up and while well, in this this kind of this interim period. Yeah, I've been working on some pieces. I should hopefully have some up on our Facebook page. It's hard for me to say what I should have up at any given time, because when we record versus when we air is a difference of a couple of weeks. So yeah. what project I'm working on at that point is usually wildly different. Sure. So check it out. Hopefully there should be some stuff. And actually on that note too, we are getting really close to being able to launch our Patreon. We've been doing some sourcing for, for actually getting be being able to get some good rewards to people, uh, whoever want to pledge. Uh, but I think we finally have figured out the shirts thing. We figured out the, the stickers thing where we're just working on some designs right now. And then the Prince I think thing is done too. Oh, the Prince thing is done too. Prince thing is done too. So at, at this point, um, yeah, we're just, we're just, uh, making sure that we have some good designs to bring to you. And then we're actually going to have some Tau merch to bring your way as well. I love the way that you said that, because for some reason, my brain just went instead of, you know, the art of wargaming, the thing I've been doing for like 30 episodes, I went right. to the Tau. 
Oh. <laughs> like Warhammer 40k. The weirdest right. tau for me to possibly go for as the person who doesn't play 40k. That's I, I my my head didn't even go there. I was thinking, oh, he's obviously thinking about the ancient Chinese religion, you know, Taoism. That's what that's where his mind went. And it wasn't even there. More sense that was, for me. <laughs> <laughs> we're just completely topsy turvy. It's twenty twenty people, get used to it. We're all topsy turvy this year. And I guess the last thing we have before we get into the to the real meat and potatoes of this episode is um, either last episode or the episode before, I had talked to you guys about this idea for class, the cumulative learning and Stygian strategy um, that we were thinking about for for the uh, for Stygia. And it's a way for, I mean, when practices start up again, of having some sort of central teaching apparatus uh, to teach not just veterans, but also new people, techniques and, and new forms and that sort of thing, but also to uh, give our realm a way to... To communicate and stay together during this this time of being apart physically which is just so valuable oh yeah yeah so by the time this airs um we sh- i should have the final submissions from the instructors in because it's going to be an obviously online video learning class so i'm having the potential instructors submit um what, what their work might look like and then um I should be able to let you guys know how that goes um if, if, if it's a good project or not we're hoping that it uh it does good things for the realm I decided what I'm going to teach as we were recording this. Like, nice. Within the last like three minutes. You'll See, find out inspirations. Inspirations <laughs> already, people. We can't help it. We just throw an inspiration out there. All right. Well, I, I've gotten through. Again, this is, this is one of those shorter episodes. So I've kind of gotten through uh, what I had for the intro. You good, Thumbs? Yeah. Turns out it's hard to do an intro about wargaming when we can't wargame. You know, we still managed to fill you know, 10, 15 minutes pretty cons- consistently. So um, You and I are expert level talkers, my friend. We are chatty. We're chatty folks. <laughs> well, I guess without further ado, we're going to get into the first of this special report uh, when we're talking about the realm of Dur de Marion. I've, of course, heard of Dirty. I didn't actually know it was called Dirtamarian for years, but I just heard of Dirty, and I actually originally thought it was like D-Y-R-T-Y. Dirty, Dirty. yeah, yeah. Rather than like abbreviation, Dir hyphen letter D. Yes. Uh, You know, because I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm from Dirty, and I'm like, that's a strange name for a realm. But, um... This has been kind of exciting for me because I know you lived in Dirty. You have a lot of experience, and I heard a lot about it from you. But I have learned a whole bunch of details that I didn't know. Yeah, and and for those, just kind of a a, a quick thing for those being like, well, Dirty, Dirdemarian, those are both kind of nonsense words. If you have studied Tolkien's Elvish, you will recognize this as being Elvish, and it, it means the Twilight Citadel. And so this this comes back from a time when both Dagger here and Belagarth drew heavily from Tolkien's mythology, and a lot of the realms were either named off after actual places within like the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit, or they were named things in Elvish or Orcish or something like that. And so Durdamarian being one of the older realms um, was definitely a part of this tradition. Yeah, back in the day, it used to be you were pretty much named after either Lord of the Rings, Dragonlance, or Conan the Barbarian. Yep. It's varied more now, but the, still, those are kind of the three we fall back on. Right. 
Right. And so, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see how, kind of how the, the evolution of the etymology has changed for the naming of realms. But yeah, so so in case you're seeing there being like dirty, what, what does dirty mean? That's what it means. It's it's a uh, it's elvish and then an abbreviation on that elvish because, you know, we're Americans and we do that. More than like three syllables, we get bored. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So this realm, again, as we said, is old. It is one of the oldest realms in, in the... Uh, in, in the combination of the sports, one of the older realms in Durdamarian or in, in, in Dagger here, one of the older realms in Belagarth. Been around since either 1979 or 1980. That's older than us. That's several years older than me. That's This realm is approximately 40 years old. I'm 32, you're 33. Belagarth is only like 19, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, so this uh, this realm has been around for a long time. And again, it was from back in the Dagger Here days. Uh, Belagarth is actually a, a splinter group that kind of came off of Dagger Here. There was a lot of drama and history that has been kind of lost to time. And we might talk about that division. This. Not important for this, though. Um, but when we're talking about the differences here, it is kind of significant. They are located in Nashville, Tennessee. Music City, USA. Um, they, they practice at Elmington Park. It's uh, an, an outstanding park, absolutely gigantic. Um, there's some soccer fields down the hill from where they're at. They almost always have food trucks out there in the summer, especially if there's other like music festivals and stuff going on in the area. It's, it's a, a really nice location in, in kind of like central Nashville. Now, you do have to take the 440 to get there. So anybody who's familiar with the area, you, you know that uh, the 440 was designed by an engineer that was assuming that humans uh, moved by the same rules as fluid dynamics. I assume this is a road. Yeah, yeah, the 440 is a, is a, is a kind of an interstate highway type thing that ah, does, a, okay. does yes. a circle Following in Nashville. And uh, again, the engineer was thinking that humans would move in a logical way like water. We don't. Um, and so this, this road is almost always congested and, and difficult to drive on. But if you are willing to risk the 440, Durdemarian's a wonderful place to spend an afternoon. They're pretty big too. In terms of like overall realm membership, including like um, non-coms, they've got somewhere between 400 and 500 members. That is absolutely insane to me. That's huge. Now... Now, Durdemarian also is in the, has the process of conscripting, you know, um, uh, press ganging people. So like when I was living there um, and, and uh, was a part of the realm, I became a realm member and, and now I'm still a realm member. Durdemarian kind of claims you for life, much in the same way that Stygia does. So I've got dual citizenship at the moment. We're just less official cool. about it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just kind of, uh, we lick you and then you're ours forever. <laughs> you're with me now. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in terms of actual fighters on the field, though, they have anywhere between 35 and 50 fighters uh, on the field during their summer practices. Now, to, to give you a frame of reference for com like coming here from Stygia, that meant that every single event or every single uh, practice was like an event for me because our events here in Stygia often don't number much more than like 50 fighters. We have never topped 50 for a War of the Gate event. Our average yeah. realm practice is about 15 to 30. Yeah. So let that explain everything for you, really. Like, So, so it was a treat for me uh, being able to, because I spent most, like all of my time coming up here in Stygia, and then I moved to, to Durnamarian and spent a year there while I was in welding school. And it was, again, it was just a treat every single time I got to go out on the field because they had so many people. And, and there's a rotation too, because it's not just necessarily the people from the Nashville area. You have to remember that, 
there in the east, there are so many realms close together, which we just don't have. Again, the closest realm to us is like five or six hours away, right? Yeah, it's about like, 300, 400 miles-ish. Yeah, it's in a different yeah. state. So, so that's the closest one to us. Whereas like Durdamarian, you had like six or seven realms within easy driving distance. Like you, you could be like, you know what? I don't want to do Durdamarian today. I'm going to go do another practice and go there. And other people would come uh, to Durdamarian practice if they were like, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I've been doing Sage Hill for a few weeks. I'm going to go do a Durdamarian practice. I am utterly fascinated about this like entire concept just because I've lived here forever. Sure. Sure. It's, it's, it is a ton of fun. And then they have raids. They have raids where they'll just be like, okay, all of Durdamarian is going to a Sage Hill practice on this particular day. And then they'll go down there and they'll they'll wash out the practice and have a good time. And then a bunch of people will go out for like supper afterwards. And then, you know, a few weeks later, Sage Hill will be like, we're going to invade Durdi. And everybody will run up to Durdamarian and 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 do the same thing there. And so it's, it's a really cool community that it creates. And then it also means that the field sizes are just so much larger. Not only do you have a larger population to draw from, but you have a lot of... Uh, surrounding areas where people are also going to be coming in from as well. Yeah, we've talked about doing that, but for us, that's like a two-day process minimum. Yeah, yeah, it take it takes a lot of prep for us to be able to raid somebody. Like, we're it's it, it's a proper war. Like, we're going to need to consult with Frederick on the logistics for it. Whereas for Dirt <laughs> Marion, you know, it's a matter of just being like, "Hey guys, we're going to Sage Hill." Okay, cool. That's half hour down the road. Make sure you use horses, not oxen. Yep. <laughs> exactly. I'm never letting exactly. that one go. Sorry. Hey, you know, it, it's good advice, I, I guess. Because Frederick gave it. I'm going to trust that. <laughs> it must be. It must be. So of these 35, 50 fighters, of course, you've got standouts. Um, I didn't meet many people in Durdamarian that I didn't like, but there's always going to be prominent people. And some prominent people from Durdamarian. Angel, you're going to hear her name come up a lot. She is a... She's a goddess. She's a powerhouse. She's She is the, the kind of work ethic that you want in every level of your life. Like... like if every realm had an angel, every realm would function at the level that Durdamarian does. I mean, she's she's just incredible. And she's also a nurse. I want to give a shout out to Angel because she's just, not only is she on the front lines of making sure Durdamarian runs efficiently, but she is also a nurse. So she's on the front lines of what's happening in the world right now. And so she's she's just probably the most impressive person in the world to me. I, <laughs> I adore this. Shout out and, to and, all nurses ever. Yeah, absolutely. And, and shout out to nurses in general. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Now, of course, you know, nobody, I don't want anybody to cry favoritism. She is a member of my unit, but she wasn't when I first met her. When I first met her, she was a member of the BOF. And then uh, she she moved over to the Dark Angels uh, recently. And I'm so happy to have her because, again, that kind of work ethic, that kind of morale building leadership is just wonderful absolutely anywhere. So, yeah, she's she's absolutely a prominent member of the realm. If you get a chance to go up and talk to her, she always uh, is, is a helpful human being. She knows everything. She knows everything. And, and if she doesn't, she knows exactly where you can find that information. Uh, Big Badger, another uh, fantastic name from this area, EBF fella, you know, kind of quiet spoken, but an amazing fighter uh, and, and a really solid guy, a really solid member of the uh, of the community. He's been around for a really long time. Uh, Shadow, another member of the Dark Angels. Um, he was the guy who basically made my unit into a leaderless unit. We used to have a hierarchy like most units do, but when he became our Grandmaster, he said, all Dark Angels are leaders. And, but, but the thing was, you need to meet Shadow to know 
why those words had power coming from him. Like when you when you think about a guru sitting in the woods who only speaks three words to you, but those three words change your life, that's Shadow Dude. Like like this guy is is amazing. He, 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 I, I, can't, I can't speak highly enough about him. When I first met this guy, he's one of the ones the reasons I became a dark angel. Because I was like, if you're a dark angel, I want to be a dark angel. I got to admit, the moment you said, uh, say three words and change your life, I started counting how many words were in all dark angels are leaders. <laughs> That's Apparently fine. I'm that guy today. My apologies. Pedantics. Thumbs is resorting to pedantics. Ooh. But yeah, so again, Shadow is a great guy. He's been around in the sport for a very long time and is still super involved. Like you can find him teaching on the side of the field, teaching uh, different for, like forms, different techniques, uh, sharing his knowledge freely with anybody who asks it of him. Uh, just, just a solid guy. I cannot speak highly enough of Shadow. Kensman Finn, also another fantastic guy, one of the, the leaders of a really cool unit there. They're like a Celtic Viking-themed unit, and, and all of their garb is really uh, kind of themed that way. A lot of these guys are sporting big old beards. They look like they could be in the, the Scottish Highland Games, and they definitely party like it too. Um, and so, hmm. I mean, Kensman Finn, again, like you've got all these powerhouses in this realm, and it's, it's no wonder that it works so well because Kensman Finn is another one of those guys that just you always see him working like he's always doing something um he's always involved in in whatever's going on and he's just he's just a solid guy he's just a fun guy to talk to Talon oh man I love I I, and I again I had a great time in Durdamarian so you're gonna hear me saying a whole lot of good things tonight but like Talon ah oh, Talon convinced me that a quarter staff is a good weapon like, that's how good of a fighter Talon is. Before I went to Durdamarian and fought against Talon while he was using a quarterstaff, I was convinced that within the sport of Belagarth and Dagger here, quarterstaffs were crap weapons. They were just, they were a waste. You basically just used them to accomplish nothing on the field. And I, and I told this to Talon um, fairly soon after I had met him. And so he said, <laughs> okay, grab that, grab that big old shield over there. I'll show you how it's done. And this guy's throwing wraps around this shield. He's getting stabs around this shield. Like he's tricking it up and like getting me out of position. And I was like, okay, I, may, I guess I'm just really bad at a quarterstaff. Like <laughs> I need a seat in the hands of a master. Quarterstaff is sort of the definition of high risk, high reward. True that. Because if True you're that. not real good with it, you're real bad with it. Like I have never found it in between. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely got a massive learning curve to it. And I mean, if you've used a quarter staff in other martial arts, like, like Talon has, he came to us after being heavily, heavily decorated in other martial arts. And then he came to us and just applied that same work ethic, that same can do attitude to the sport of Belagarth. And he just, oh my gosh, he's, and I haven't fought him in years at this point. Like it's been like, I think like uh, uh, probably four or five years since I fought him. So the next time I see him, I'm sure he's just going to light me up because even when I was seeing him, like you want to talk about like active archery, this guy brings active archery to a whole new level. I, I, I've never seen somebody be able to knock a bow and fire as quickly and with as much precision as he, and as he can and on the run. Like he'll just be sitting there sprinting full blast and nail a target, like a beer can sized target, just at a very decent pace. And it's like, what, what, how does one person can, <laughs> contain this much skill in one body and on top of that he can also do flips he can also do flips front flips back flips court cartwheels any sort of thing gravity does not obey him that's always impressed me i've never been able to do a flip handstands can't even do i can do a flip if i am on a trampoline oh nope not even there if i've got something to assist me uh, in getting over my my big lanky self i can accomplish it but this guy he can just just standing there do a flip look you straight in the eye like <laughs> it's crazy man I am it's not crazy. crazy i love this guy 
Talon is the only one of these people I've ever talked to. Like, I've never met any of them in person. But he's really involved in the Great Hunt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I have interacted with him a lot through there. So I only know him from a very business perspective, as it were. But I've been really impressed every time. Yeah, and, and he's I think he's also one of our, basically our webmasters for the Great Hunt. He took over after I realized that it was entirely too big of a, a job for one person to do. Uh, he kind of stepped up and, and is making sure that all of our records are in order. So not only is he an amazing fighter, an amazing organizer, an amazing unit member, but also an amazing administrator. Again, Dirtamarian just has its has, has just the cream of the crop when it comes to fighters in a lot of ways. And then Kudzu. You're going to hear a lot more about kudzu a little bit later, so I don't necessarily want to go into too much detail about kudzu right now. But let me just let me just say that kudzu is one of the most important members of monster culture within Belagarth, hands down. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like if kudzu does not come up when you're talking about like the founders of Belagar of, of monster culture, you didn't do your history. One one of the original goblins, one of the original members of Horde, even before it was Horde. Like this guy, this guy goes way back, and he makes some cool music, and he's 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 just fun. He's just a fun guy to talk to too. I mean, he's he's one of those people that like he doesn't just role play a goblin. I'm fairly certain he is a goblin on his very deepest insides. Like he he is the body we see is a machine, and there's this little goblin on the inside pulling these levers, because I mean the man just just. He's, he's, he's cool. I kind of want to draw that. That sounds awesome. You should, you should yeah. <laughs> a mechanical kudzu. Uh, but yeah, so we're, again, uh, we're going to be talking about horde in our next section and we're definitely going to talk a lot more about kudzu there. So I don't want, don't want you to think I'm skipping over him. I love this guy, but, uh, but yeah, um, he's pretty cool. So as you can imagine, Durdamarian is a large uh, realm, as we've already sp- talked about, they've got some great movers and shakers that make things happen, and they are have a really good location in terms of like sister realms around them, and, and in terms of other people just within driving distance. So they have several really good events that they put on throughout the year. Uh, two of these are relatively small. I mean, for like uh, they're relatively small in terms of like larger events. For again, somebody from Stygia, it's a just fine event. You've got like somewhere between <laughs> fifty and two hundred people there. And it's like, okay, this is great. I like this event. This is fun. Oh, just 200 people. Yeah. Oh, no. So the Dirty opener, which happens in April, is a lot of fun. Uh, it typically can be a little bit slicker out there, um, but it, it's, a, it's a nice little opener that if you're within the area, it's, it's a good way to kick the season off. Uh, their Independence Slay in July is another one that they do there on their home field most of the time. And, and this one's a lot of fun, too. I got my, my, my top rank of, of two-sword in the great hunt at this event because i i won a tournament um while i was doing florentine while i was at this one and and it was hard everybody else in the in the tournament was wearing uh full armor because it was a a champions tournament everybody else was wearing full armor and i think there was one or two red users but everybody else was doing like board and flail (laughs) it was a rough but of course you know the flail only gets one hit for two from a sword. So if you're quick enough as a, as a Florentiner, you can get through somebody's armor before they get their second shot in, but you do need to be quick. And those ones are fun, but the, the real fame of Der Demarion, the real, the real talking point in their events mm-hmm. are Beltane and Equinox. Now these occur in May and September respectively, and they are their big events. I've always been tempted to go to them in a Tennessee is too far away for me to afford kind of way. 
you have to when like when it, when we're able to to fly across country and like make it into a business trip, my man, we're gonna have to go because oh, these yeah. events are off the they historically have happened at Monty Bell uh, Ranch Park. Uh, Monty Bell. That's that's how it's always referred to, which is Montgomery Bell, and it's it's located outside of Nashville a decent ways, but it's this gorgeous, gorgeous park. Lots of woodland, amazing. Like there's places to camp. There's a whole ton of cabins there now. Be warned, if you do want to go to one of these events, you do want to be aware that the cabins go on raffle several months before the event, and they are usually gone within several minutes. It is very competitive to get into a cabin at at this event because, again, it's a huge, these are huge events, very large events, and um, they're they're kind of traditional for people. Like Thumbs and I often talk about how Chaos Wars is that one event that we always try to make every year. It was the first event that we went to. It's kind of the the mama event for the area. It's the show. Yeah. And if we're going to make one event, typically we're going to try to make Chaos Wars. Beltane and Equinox are like that for a lot of people. And so you've got, you've got a lot of competition for these cabins, but it's well worth it. Even if you're not in a cabin, uh, the grounds are just absolutely gorgeous. This was my first time being outside in the South at night since I was in basic training. And at the first Beltane that I had gone to, no, it was Equinox. Equinox. I went to an Equinox before Beltane. And the cicadas were out that year. I, I, I come from the Northwest, y'all. I come from Montana specifically. At night, it gets real quiet here. Yeah, we've got like noises, but it's not cicadas. Yeah, like we'll occasionally have crickets. Maybe, maybe the sound of a speeding car as it's going down the strip or something like that. But like the, the night was alive. Like, I, I sat there just staring at the roof of my bunk, like, not really mad that I couldn't fall asleep, just fascinated <laughs> at the noise level that air could just hold in that way. It was, it was, it was absolutely, it was, it was really cool. It was really cool. Now, now, again, it's not normally that loud because that was a special kind of occasion bug-wise, but uh, no, it's, it's always a good time. And then they always have really cool themes that they've got going on, different team battles that they do. Uh, some way to acquire currency that you can usually trade for something else. Um, they're just, they're, they're really, 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 really fun events. Vendors, vendors everywhere. Yeah, so I, I highly recommend, recommend them. They were some of my, my favorite things that I've ever gone to. I'm definitely going back. Not just to see my, the people that I know and love in Nashville, but to specifically attend these events. They're a lot of fun. So we're going to get into a little history of Dur de Marion and some, maybe some, some great tales. And, and some things we actually learned. Again, I, I spent some time here and was talking with people, but I actually learned some new things about Dur de Marion when we were studying this section. For instance, uh, I think we were, went over this in our last episode, like our, our last special, when we were talking about the Brotherhood of the Falcon, but Dur de Marion is the birthplace of the Triad. My favorite part about this is the Triad wasn't originally just the Triad, and I assume they had a different name at the time too, but they actually originally composed of five units. I hold up four to you in your video. That doesn't actually help anyone. <laughs> anyone. No video, no five. Um, it was originally the Brotherhood of the Falcon, the Elite Blood Falcons, the Dark Angels, the Church of Terra? Tara? I'm not sure. I'm going to go with Terra. Well, T-A-R-A is what we got here, yeah. Uh, and the Knights of Justice, which is just such a... That's such a good name. Yes. Yeah. I really like that's it. A- I mean... <laughs> The Knights of Justice. I'm a comic book fan, man. That is really, like, on the nose in all the ways I appreciate. Uh, the Church of Terra was apparently exclusively composed of healers back in the old Dagger Here days. 
if, if you've done exclusively Belagarth, you will have never, really, never encountered a a uh, healer. It's something that's that's kind of special for Dagger here. It was, it was a really interesting thing about Durdamarian. I had no idea that there was an entire unit entirely comprised of healers. That's a... What kind of trials would they do? I've always been involved in super combat heavy units. And so I'm sitting here just being like, what do you, do you sit there and try to like, you, you've got your like um, auctioner uh, trial that you go through where you try to say your healing spell as quick as, as, as humanly possible while still being like intelligible. Hey, bada, 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 heal. Bada, 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 bada. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that, that was interesting. I, I'm a member of the triad. I'm a, I'm a member of the Dark Angels, and I had no idea that there were two other units that we we had attached to our, ourselves at one point. This is part part of the reason I like doing these episodes. I get to ask all these questions and do all this research and get to find out a bunch of new things. It's cool. Sounds like it's time for a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they are also the birthplace of the Hordes. So you've got the triad, which if any of you know the triad, they've got a, a certain unit culture, a certain way of going about things. Now the exact opposite end of the spectrum, which is like all RP all the time, you've got the Horde. Real quick, as I understand it, it is birthplace of Horde, not the Horde. I've had Horde correct me several times on this front. Oh no. <laughs> Return of the pedantics. No, I, I, I'm sure you're right because they are they are monster as heck, and they probably would drop the uh, the the in a second. That's less me trying to be pedantic and more like, please don't get mad at us. <laughs> if we do misquote this horde, remember that we are we are not uh, indoctrinated members, and we are absolutely willing to make it up to you. I am a mere lowly knight. Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, we, we we only know so much. And also home, like I said, to the very first goblins, which are a, a, a very large and successful like monster subculture within the within the larger community. And uh, they are one of the oldest, if not the oldest, Belagarth realm. Same thing with Dagger here. Um, in addition to being one of the large, and they are they are the largest realm in the south and the second largest realm in the nation. Do we know what the largest one is? Is that Numenor? Probably. I have no idea. I uh, we probably should have done some research. I, I've Ask that question. I didn't actually ask that. I would assume it's Numenor because Numenor is also super old and they have a very, very, very successful culture. And so they, yeah, I, I assume that they would be the other one if, yeah. Yeah, if you're, if you're listening to us from Numenor, let us know. Um, we're going to be doing a report on Numenor at some point. But uh, yeah, if you're, if you're listening to us, let us know if you guys are, are huge or not. So we asked them uh, what kind of awards the realm has won, and um, I, I was speaking to Dimfna for this. Uh, she's a, a fantastic person that I met while I was over in Durdemarian. She's another one of these hyper-involved, hyper-focused individuals that is also a, a very capable fighter and and just nice to boot. Uh, she was she was one of my absolute best friends when I was in the area. Was extremely kind. We went to like flea markets together and stuff. Like she was super cool. Oh, that's great. That sounds so good. And so she was she's who we're getting the information from for this. The, the, the president, which is um, Angel, she won an award from the Seneschal Guild for bringing the realm back from the brink of extinction. This was actually something I heard about while I was over there, too. Durdemarian, for as old and as successful as it has been, nearly died. We nearly lost uh, one of the, the oldest and, and, and most dear realms of our organization. They, they, there had been a period of bad management, from what I understand, um, from when I was talking to people, and there was a lot of feel-bads around. You had a lot of divisiveness and a lot of uh, unit-based uh, loyalties, not realm-based loyalties, and so the realm was just kind of slowly falling apart, and, and had a period there where it wasn't um, 
it wasn't being effective or like people weren't even meeting up for practices. And then I know it was a, I, I know Angel and Phoenix were involved. I can't remember who had what roles, but I know that both of those individuals were fundamental in bringing this realm back from the brink of extinction and, and turning it into, again, the second largest uh, realm of the nation, largest realm in the South, and one of the most uh, successful realms that there is in the sport. Yeah. And that, we should point out, that happens to most realms at some point. Like, realms don't go through just like a, here's a solid, like, upline, but it comes in waves and goes, so. Yeah. No no throwing shade at Dirty for having a down period. Oh, no, no, and I know we've had, we've had periods of time with, even in Stygia, as small as we are. We almost died. Twice that I can think of. We've had times where we had low membership. We've had times where we had super high membership and a lot of times in between. So it happens to all realms. And it's just, it's really cool when, when a realm gets this close or, or, you know, kind of is extinct and then somebody's able to bring it back. And especially when they bring as much to the sport as Dirty does. I'm, I'm so, so thankful that they are still around. So let's talk about politics. Not like, you know, the, the, the kind that we all hate, but like who's in charge, how they get elected in terms of Dirt Marion. The president is Angel. Again, can't speak highly enough of her. She does a great job. The vice president is Squire Arshank. Arshank is an, another person that I met while I was over there. She's a, a very involved member of the, of the hunt as well. She leads up a unit called Vorshin. Like her and her husband are, are uh, big leaders of Vorshin. And it was a unit that I was involved with when I first got there. They were uh, again, very kind. They had just started up the year that I was there. And so I, I know that they're much bigger now and they and they have a lot more clout. But at the time, they were just kind of trying to gather members and, and get a presence. What's the origin of that name? I've always wondered that and I've just never gotten around to asking. Abortion? You know, I'm sure they told me. Am I asking you all the questions you don't know today? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure they told me at one point. Um, and again, it's been five years. <sighs> It's been several years since I've been there, so I I, uh, I cannot remember. Uh, again, we'll probably do Vorshin at some point. Again, Arshank Tandar, if you guys are listening uh, and you want to shoot me a, a quasi-angry message about forgetting, I'll How understand. How dare you? I know. I'm still an honorary member of Vorshin, as far as I know. So <laughs> I, You're an honorary member getting... of, like, six groups. Yeah, I get around. The treasurer for, for Dirt Marion is uh, Sir Jaconta. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if I've told this story before, but I have a really good story about Sir Jaconta. I've heard this story since I was like 18. It's good. It's, it's a fantastic story. I'll never get tired of telling it. Now, this was back before Sir Jaconta was in uh, Dirt Marion. She was a part of the realm of Numenor at that point, And she had come west to uh, Chaos Wars, which just happened to be my first Chaos Wars. Now, she didn't come out specially for me mind you. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a chance meeting, but uh, uh, <laughs> that was just giving me this slow look. Like, wh- why would she possibly have come out for you? You were, you were like a 17-year-old, wet-behind-the-ears nerd. There was nothing impressive about me. You're right, Thumbs. I, wow, you added a whole bunch of words to me there. <laughs> I, so much from a look, so much. But anyways, <laughs> so Sergio Conta, when I, when I saw them that particular event, they, uh, she was um, shooting primarily. And so there was this one uh, moment where I was out there and I was convinced at this event that I could make a double-sided axe work. I remember that phase. I couldn't, by the way. And so I had been failing and, and failing and failing and failing. And then I see this, this split in the line, one of the splits you're always hoping for. And I see a straight shot through the archers. And I was like, yeah, archers. I went sprinting over. They took some shots, took some shots, and it didn't hit me. And then they started to run. All but one archer started to run. And I was like, I got this archer. Yeah, she's, she's not time. running. I, 
And so I raise my axe up over my head and I start to bring it down. And she reaches up, plants her hands on the haft of the axe, plants her foot on the middle of my chest, rolls over backwards, flips me over the top of her. I land, the breath goes wheezing out of me. She snatches my axe, murders me with it, and then runs off and murders like six other people before the her team <laughs> won, the, won the fight. And again, I, she also does other types of fighters. She's not exclusively an archer, but but you like Sergio Conta is a beast and, and was one of the reasons in my early career that I was just like, wow, I need to check myself. Like just because I watch a lot of anime doesn't mean I know anything <laughs> about fighting. That's a hard lesson for most teenage Belligram to learn. Yeah. It's an important yeah, one. You come into this after, you know, playing video games or watching watching movies or shows about it and you're like, yeah, I know how to fight. No, it's it's very different. Yeah. Show my age here. Oh man, I've played a bunch of Devil May Cry. I got this. I did not. I did not got this. No, no, none of us got this. We we kind of got it now, but uh, that that's that's because we don't base our knowledge off of video games anymore. <laughs> Secretary uh, of of Marion is Tiana. Um, now I th- I think I know Tiana. I've got a, a picture in my head of who I think Tiana is. I do not want to misquote and have Tiana be listening on the other side of this and say wait a minute, I've never met Malark. Why is he sitting here saying he's my best bud? So I don't want to misquote that. If it's the Tiana I think of, I'm, I'm thinking of, then they're in very good hands because uh, the person I know is, uh, again, an upstanding, a quiet, quiet individual, but extremely hardworking and, uh, and definitely knew their stuff. But again, I don't want to necessarily say that that's who it is without knowing. So Tiana is their secretary. The feast coordinator. Now we get to a treat. My gosh, guys, we're getting to a treat now. The feast coordinator for Der de Marion is Squire Tandar. If you don't know that name, you need to go to a Der de Marion event. Probably Beltane or Equinox would be your best bets because Tandar, he's, he's not just the feast coordinator. Tandar is a professional chef. Like this guy lives breathes and eats kitchen like he he can he can sneeze out ingredients that would be better than anything else that i could find i mean wow that's really gross not not literally but like metaphorically (laughs) speaking (laughs) sneeze out this five course meal oh god oh especially this time of year in 20 it's cargo (laughs) and i'm sorry to our french listeners i've never actually had escargot so i can't actually speak to the consistency i just i know that my my culture is in a habit of mocking that particular dish it could be delicious i don't know um i'm sure if tandar made it it would be delicious though again i i had the the opportunity to eat some of his meals when he wasn't necessarily the feast coordinator i remember um the beltane that i was there he had gotten kind of roped in to being a part of feast because they had found out that he was a professional chef and they were having some issues and so he was sitting there trying to like to be involved but not he wasn't part of the planning stage and i remember him kind of being kind of crazy that event like he was really stressed and he was convinced the feast wasn't going to be good and and i gotta tell you tandar's um last minute effort was so much better than my primary effort could ever been in this particular regard like he again he knows how to run a, a shop he knows how to prep his food he knows how to bring everything together and make it taste good seriously this man can cook this is the only uh, realm I've ever heard of that just has a dedicated feast coordinator. Well, again, the sizes that they get for their, their events. Oh, they you have need to. One. It makes sense. But... You need one. Um, and he's good too. Again, like I, I am so glad that he's in this position because, you know, he's not just there because it's a, it's part of his squireship. He's not just there because there was nothing better to do. He's there because he knows how to do it. He can do it well. And it makes the Dirt Marian feasts outstanding. So, 
if there's even all the amazing fighting and all the amazing people aside, if for no other reason, go to a Dermarian event just to eat Tandar's food. I'm not joking. It's fantastic. Security is Squire Bran. I think I know Bran. Again, kind of like Tiana. If it's the person I'm thinking of, I, I really enjoyed them and, and they make they would make for a fantastic security person. Um, if it's not, I don't want to be just blowing smoke. Merchants and Convention Coordinator. Um, because they do a lot of not just bringing merchants into their events, but they go and do a lot of demonstrations. Again, Nashville is a huge city, so they have all mm-hmm. sorts of conventions, all sorts of, of, of different groups that get together. And so they have uh, a person who is in charge of making sure that all that stuff goes off without a hitch and getting people motivated in that direction. Excuse me. Mm. Again, I've never met Squire Davlin, but uh, if, if they're in this position in Durdemarian, I imagine they know what they're doing because... Uh, yeah, uh, Dirty is a very busy realm in this way. IT, Big Badger, they they have their their information technology, their online their online person, the person that kind of runs their boards and makes sure everything works. Remember we talked about Big Badger, and he does he does good work again, uh, much like Tandar. It's a profession that he finds himself well suited to and does exceptionally well. And then Talon, who better to be a head herald than somebody who is one of the most sharp eyed and sharp witted people on the field. So Talon is extremely well suited to that. And well, and he doesn't hesitate to tell you either. If you're sitting there cheating, if you're sitting there blowing off shots, if you're not, if you're not doing the right thing, Talon will let you know. Uh, it's not an issue. And so the way that these guys are elected is that every Equinox, um, they hold a realm meeting to vote in their board of directors. After the voting has transpired, the board then selects their shadows. So the board is the, the present, the positions that we just talked about shadow. This is a really interesting, uh, a policy, a really interesting way of doing things. A shadow uh, are people who decide to volunteer and see how a particular board's position is done and to learn how to effectively function in that position. Um, anyone can volunteer to become a shadow, but they will be expected to assume the semblance of a board member, which is to say that they need to act accordingly. They need to be respectful, they need to be well-spoken, and they need to uh, be competent in their in their jobs. Uh, more simply put, uh, it is an apprenticeship for anybody who would want to be a realm leader. Shadows have far less responsibilities and obligations to uphold, um, but it's not to say they don't have responsibilities, they're just not the actual board member whose job it is. So this is kind of cool. We've done way less official versions of that, and I kind of want to like take it on yeah yeah this is this is really interesting much like when we were talking about the way that wrath did their training for new people i'm looking at this and seeing what what ways we can implement this further into into like stygia because one of the issues i've noticed is like for instance when i came in when i was a realm leader for two and a half years i came in and i had no real idea what i was doing i had never done anything like it before i'd never really been to one of these private realm meetings or anything and so um, I, I came in and my first several months of being in office was just figuring out how the heck I was supposed to do my job. This system sounds like it would kind of get rid of that. You know, you've got somebody who's who's interested in it. They want to run. You know, they can shadow the president for a year. And then when they want to run, they, they you know, they can list their credentials. And among those say, you know, I shadowed the president. I know how to do this job. You know, I was I was shadowing Angel. You know, uh, uh, what better letter of recommendation do I need than that? <laughs> yeah, I'm set now. Like, that's... Well, and that's nice because I know, even though I knew who was taking over from the realm when I stepped down was capable, and we have similar things to make sure that they're ready for the job, there's still a very nerve-wracking thing of, I have been watching after this for, in my case, I had been a realm leader for four years, so like this had become my baby in a lot of ways. Passing on the baby to someone else is scurry. So it's nice for the realm leaders, and it's nice for the shadows. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's good for the realm leaders to know that the realm is passing into good hands and it's good for the shadows so that they know what they're doing when they get in. I like this. It's a, it's a good policy. If you if you want to implement it in your realm, I'm sure Dirdemarian wouldn't mind. So we asked them to describe their realm culture. I'm just going to read to you here what, what uh, Dimfna wrote to me, that they're very familial and they have a lot of realm pride. That is absolutely true. They like A lot of places call themselves one big family, but Dirdemarian is really committed to that idea and they are very prideful in their realm. There was one event where there was like a Western alliance. It's like a bunch of fighters that had come over from the West and they had banded together. I had seen them over there when I, and I was staying in Dirdemarian at the time and I tried to go over and join this Western alliance. An angel came over to me and she informed me in no non-express words that uh, I was a member of Dirdemarian <laughs> right then and I needed to be a part of that. Like some fierce pride. Yeah, but you're also a member of Stygia, son. Like, sorry. That, I mean, that's that's um, true, but like <laughs> that argument was was not going to work then. Like uh, again, this this realm pride is very real. They're they're very and they and they they put a lot into it too. There's a lot of effort that goes into making sure that their realm is really really special, and it's because of this this great pride they have in it. Um, they're very welcoming and they tend to be laid back. She says, "I don't know." of a realm as supportive of their people as ours. And that's absolutely true. Like, uh, they're, they're very supportive. If people are, are, are having issues, if people, you know, if you need somebody to talk to or if you need help, um, your, your realmates are going to have you if you're in Durdemarian. They're, they're really solid and they, they do look after their own. As a realm, they are very quick to teach and help others on their journey to become better. They strive to be very inclusive in their community as well as um, having having inclusive directions and decisions that they embark on as a realm. Again, this is this is shown just by the way that they teach new people. You have Shadow out there, one of the one of the best fighters in the sport, in my opinion, and he's just sharing his secrets freely with with anybody who wants to hear, anybody who comes in and is a part of the class. So like, this is this is very much a part of who they are. They want everybody to be better. They want everybody to improve, and they want to make sure that everybody's having a good time while they do it. Their realm also tends to be pretty competitive, which is absolutely true, especially when it comes to realm battles. Like I said, when I tried to go over and join the Western Alliance, Angel said, no, 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 no. You're, you're going to be with us because you're you're part of us right now and we need the extra bodies. Not only they didn't need the extra bodies, I didn't, I didn't carry the but team by any But they wanted the extra bodies. But having another decent fighter on the team is never a bad thing. And they have a lot of characterization and a very, very strong non-com community. It's one of the few realms that I know of where you can go and see a non-com uh, presence that is almost as strong as the com combat presence. You have so many people who come and, and they're either doing vendor stuff or, or just sitting there hanging out on the sides. Like there's a, there's this like a little, like a, a mini campsite that pops up every single um every single practice. And it's really cool because you can, you know, you've got a lot of people you can go and hang out with at that point. And it brings a lot of banter and playfulness as well as that strong family-like setting to the realm. Um, and as far as on the field, they're, they're larger than Stygia, but they have a very similar setup. They have a lot of flankers and a lot of archers. Uh, they're not a typical line fighting realm. Now they do have some very line fighty folks, uh, but as a general rule, especially in more recent years, they become extremely fleet of foot. I was curious about that because I saw that like we're not your typical line fighting realm and it's from someone else who also is from a realm that avoids line fighting if we can help it. I was curious mm -hmm. how much that like compared. Yeah, it's changed. I, I mean, it was changing when I was there. They were transitioning from being a, a more line fighty type realm to being a bit more fleet of foot. And especially seeing the people who are in charge and are still around since I was there, it doesn't surprise me that their their meta definitely evolved to be to be a little bit quicker to work on that oblique as Frederick would say. Hmm. Um, I, I know we're done with Frederick, but I'm not, I'm not done with Frederick. You know that. He's never done with Frederick. I've done him 33 years. Never done with Frederick. 
And they say they offer several classes throughout the year. They do heraldry classes, so like ways to make up your own heraldry, uh, body me mechanics classes, weapon crafting, basic sewing, role playing, all, all sorts of good stuff. They they do a lot, and they and they do they try to do a little bit. They've got different people coming in and teaching, kind of like this idea of class that we have, and uh, and they they try to make sure that everybody kind of has a voice there. And then uh, in terms of their active units, they've got the Brotherhood of the Falcon, the Dark Angels, the Elite Blood Falcons. Thurisaz, Horde, Fianna, Bladestorm, Machinshin, Vorshin, and The Lost. Uh, a couple of those I don't recognize. I, I love learning about new realms. Me too. <laughs> and new units is what I meant to say there, sorry. And a couple of these I hadn't heard of before. They're new um, since I've been there. And so I'm actually, I'm very curious to go back and, and kind of see who's fleshing out some of these new units and, and, uh, and, and where they come from in terms of like culture-wise. And then when asked, what are your plans for the future of the realm? Uh, she responds, we are always planning on growing and continuing to evolve. We do a lot of conventions and planned events in, in the area to gain exposure. Going to continue doing that. We try to train our new people so that they can grow and develop as our new blood will truly be how we continue on. So basically, you know, the kids are the future. Your new recruits are the future. Dirtamarian takes this very, very seriously. And from their shadow program to the classes, they do the best they can to help fighters be the best they can be. Again, if you're in the Nashville area and you're thinking about fighting, you really can't do a whole lot better than Dirtamarian. They're a fantastic group, fantastic fighters, fantastic community. I don't have that much bad to say about them. I'm, I'm serious. They're, they're, they're really cool. <laughs> You know, as opposed to most realms where we're like, we're going to spread some, we're going to spill the tea online here. Yeah, I suppose that's not really our style, but I mean, I, I know I'm just, <laughs> I'm just brimming over. I, I Again, I, I spent some time there and I was just so blown away. I was so blown away by this realm. No, it's been years and you, I've never heard you say anything bad about Dirty. You always just get excited when they come up. They're cool people, man. They're cool people. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to add on Dirty Marion? No, I, I mean, as we said, I've never been there. So this is, this was a learning experience for me just as much as it was for the uh, listeners. For sure. For sure. Well, one of the things that came out of Dirt Marion that has also led to a, an increase in characterization and just fun within the sport is the, the unit that we're going to be talking about next, which is, and now forgive me if the the is out of place, the Horde. So now we get to talk about one of the most fun units in Belagarth, and I'm fairly certain I can say that um, without any sort of, of inaccuracy because, I mean, these guys are a hoot. The Horde, or Horde, uh, depending on, on who you're asking, and these guys are a lot of fun. We're, we're really looking forward to talking about them, and they have been around for a long time as well. They were first breathed into concept at Ragnarok 11, which was in 1996, so that's decently old. I was eight. Yeah, I was uh, nine, nine myself. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a that was a while ago. We were not old enough <laughs> to be swinging stick at that point. Ah, oh, crap! I left my air conditioner on. There we go. Air conditioner's off. So there, the horde of a thousand faces showed up after the bugbear joined the unit around the early two thousands. So uh, the horde um, originally had a very specific. Um, uh, very specific types of monsters that can be involved. And then the early 2000s, they really opened it up to anybody. Is Bugbear a person in this? Um, I don't know. It can be hard to tell with words sometimes. 
It can be sometimes, and so it could be. It could be. Um, it could be a person. It could also be with because I also know that the horde started opening up their rank and file to, to more diverse types of monsters around this time, as well. And they're all over the place too. They're 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 an older unit, and they are absolutely all as as Cord, who is the uh, my my contact for this information, wrote. Horde is all over the place. Uh, for instance, they as we, they started in in Tennessee, and that is the Dead River Horde. Uh, is based out of Tennessee, and each of these, um, uh, like e- every realm, so all of the, all of the different horde members within Tennessee are a part of the Dever River Horde, which is kind of based out of of Nashville. The Blood Valley Horde is in Iowa. The Black Tundra Horde is Utah and Idaho together, because there's there's not enough uh, <laughs> members to necessarily justify having just the one state at this point. It's kind of like clans within a tribe. Exactly, exactly. These are smaller uh, um, groups of, of management, basically, of administration within the larger horde itself. They all fight as horde when they come together at an event, but when they're at their, their home realms, these are kind of their um, administrative bodies. Uh, next is the Poison Plains Horde out of Illinois. Then you have the Ruined Forest Horde, Wisconsin. The Murder Tundra Horde. Oh, I love that name. Murder Tundra out of Minnesota. That's so good. It's like the name of a... Scandinavian rock band. Murder Tundra Horde. Yeah, I love it. Ash Coast Horde in California. The Horse Grave Horde in Kentucky. The Icy Abyss Horde, which is in Canada. I didn't know they had Horde in Canada. That's great. They do. They do. Burning Mountain Horde, Oregon and Washington. If you've ever been in Oregon and Washington, you'll know why they're called the Burning Mountain Horde. The Scorched Tongue Horde out of Arizona. And the Slaughter Water Horde out of Michigan. So again, they're they're all over the place. They've got realms in the east. They got realms in the west. They have most of their numbers at this point are Midwest and and uh, west in a lot of ways. Like they're they're huge out here. Uh, yeah. But, but the Dead River River Horde continues to be a, a huge influence over there as well. So when asked how many people fighters and non-combatants are in the unit, uh, the Horde of a Thousand Faces, as they're called now, has around a hundred members. Their event attendance varies by region. Obviously, if if people are more in the West, they're going to be able to make more Western events, Midwest, Midwestern events, East to Eastern events, so on and so forth. Uh, They are most prominent, however, in the Midwest and West. In those areas, event attendance can range from 20 to 50 members at any one time. Horde is comprised of roughly 75% combatants and 25% non-combatants. Any event that they can all gather at and have fun is an important event to us because they don't, they don't really have like a, a, like a, a the most important event that they always try to make every year. They, they try to have like a, a, a list or a re- region-specific ones that they're always trying to, to make. Horde likes to be seen as many places as possible, which means that instead of we're all going to chaos or all we're all going to Western, it's where some of us are going everywhere. Yep. Yep. And, the, and they're, they're usually pretty involved too. And you'll know Horde. Like they're some of the most colorfully dressed and, and colorfully charactered people on the field. Their, their most prominent member probably is their high commander, Gorlock. He has been a member of the, the Horde for a very long time. And his technical title is the Chief Herder of Cats. Which is a very realistic title when you think about what actually... Uh, which you actually do as a unit me- a leader. I, I often <laughs> describe any kind of leadership in Belagarth as herding cats. So the fact that they just officialize that, that's just, that's mm, perfect. That's very hard too. Like they, they, they'll, they'll canonize what the rest of us are thinking. Like, uh, so this is, this is a, uh, a very, a very apt title for this position. 
Um, they don't specifically sponsor an event, but they often help run feasts or nightlife at many events, especially over the past two decades. Yeah, they're, they're usually very involved. They, like they say, they don't necessarily run things, but they're usually like second in command or, or they've, got their, they've got people who are involved. They've got a very, very good uh, volunteerism uh, culture within Horde. Um, I've run tournaments at Chaos a couple of times, and there was always a Horde member volunteering to help. Yep. Just wherever they were needed. They just showed up. Yep. So while they may not sponsor any specific event, Horde is always very well involved in any event they go to and, and will certainly be uh, helpful uh, when they are there. So the history of the unit. Uh, they've been a fixture in Belagarth culture since the game was founded. As long as Belagarth has been around, there has been Horde. Uh, tales of their deeds, infamous or not, are often told around fires in the dead of night. In fact, they actually uh, have an entire section of their... Of their non, this is a, a non-com specific kind of uh, a role, but the witch doctor um, is is, a, is is something that they have a position they have where you have to memorize all of the tales that have come before you, like all of these cool stories that horde members tell, and then add to that lexicon with your own tales. Now these can be tales of the actual exploits of horde members, or they can be tales of the gods of the horde, uh, like mystical heroes and that sort of thing. I've been to a number of witch doctor trials, and they are so much fun. They're super cool every time. And they come to serve, to entertain, and to destroy, but uh, above all else, they come to be the enemy. They love being the antagonist. And they're good at it. Uh, they're good at it. <laughs> I love Horde. So we asked them, uh, what events has the unit received? And they've been around for a while, and many of their members are guild masters, recipients of presidential awards, or former members of the board of directors. As a unit, they have received a recognition for service. Like we said, they, they're very heavily involved. They, they have a great culture of volunteerism. Um, and so they have been uh, recognized by the sport as a whole for that service, uh, for just being outstanding members of the community. The uh, 501st, which is a, a Star Wars guild, uh, like costuming group, has this hashtag called uh, bad guys doing good. And I think that like they mean it for stormtroopers and stuff. Or in, but I think it really applies too hard because as I said they play yeah. the bad guys, but there there's always someone helping. Yeah, again, it's one of those dichotomies where like their characters are the bad guys, but they as people tend to be uh, really cool people. Who, who, like we say, are very involved in, and willing to, to go the extra mile to make sure an event or a, uh, a, a gathering, an occasion goes off well. So uh, when they, they're unit leaders and officials, they have regional commanders. So each of those, those tribes that we described, you know, the Dead River, uh, the Burning Tongue, they each have a regional commander and one high commander. Commanders are glorified cat herders. Uh, the high hmm. commander is the voice of reason, kind of the tiebreaker, right? So Izareth is the highest of all commanders forevermore. He, he's, he was the founder of the Horde. Again, he's been around for, for a long time. He is, a, he is one of those names in Belagarth that if you haven't heard of Izareth, you haven't talked to anybody because <laughs> just about everybody knows an Izareth story. He's the forever in a day. Yeah. Um, I, I remember uh, there was one event that he was supposed to be at, one of the Durdamarian events I went to where he was supposed to be there and some, some emergency had come up or some family issue where he wasn't able to attend. And so they actually brought a puppet that was Izareth the whole time. Oh, I've like seen this little goblin before. puppet. Yeah, it was so funny. And, and and it became a staple. Like they 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 kind of bring it to to events now when Izareth isn't able to be there. And uh, and that just shows how intrinsic he is to horde culture. Like he he not only founded it, but he's remained so involved and so relevant within within the greater story itself. And he's followed by Gorlock, who is the uh, current high commander and chief herder of cats, as we had talked about before. 
So their unit culture, um, Horde has evolved much over the years. Uh, in this iteration, we are a group of individuals who aspire to be different together. At its core, we are a group of people that like to play and have fun. They value fun over winning, play over and creativity over organization. Come for a good time and shenanigans, stay for the friends. Uh, those are uh, Cord's words. And, and, and it's true. One of the, one of the things that you'll, I often do, like I, I can't remember an event since Chaos 9, since I started going to an event, when at some point during the night I didn't go, I'm bored. Let's go to Horde Camp. Oh, every time. Because there's always something going on there. There's always, like, even, even when there's not something organized going on, you can go into Horde Camp and have an amazing time. Like, they are just a really fun group of people to hang out with. And, but they also have, uh, like, their own, like, so Thumbs is a, is a knight, I'm a war master, and Horde has its own kind of title of honor that they can bestow. The Headhunter. Yeah. Uh, I actually went to the final Headhunter trial of Mikut Silo. Makut being like their equivalent of Sir. Uh, it was really great. It was a tough fight. And the the biggest thing I remember from it, and whether this is good or not, is up for some debate. Uh, one of the last things of the knighting trial for a lot of people is what they call the uh, buffet. Mm -hmm. And it is the last hit that you will receive unreturned. And then you're often slapped, sometimes punched. Um, I got punched. Uh, not everyone's doing punched. anymore, but it's a it, it's an old school tradition. And Horde decided that if knights had one punch, headhunters would get three. Yeah, I don't know if three is the standard number, but that's what they got. And uh, I swear, Silo almost passed out. <laughs> like I was real impressed. Yeah, and they don't hold back either. I've I've definitely seen some seen some knights or some war masters really uh, uh, wall up their their um, the person who's being elevated and, and the horde is no exception. You're getting several of those wallops. It's hardcore, man. It's hardcore. Like if you're if you're going for headhunter, you got to be hardcore. I actually looked into joining horde a couple of times. Uh, uh, I'm friends with several members of the group, and they're you know before I had joined the Gelf, they were like, hey. You're not doing anything. You wear bright, obnoxious colors a whole lot of the time. What do you think? And I almost did on two separate occasions. And I think one of the biggest deal breakers was I wasn't going to be able to continue being a squire at the time. Which right. is no knock on them. It was just where my priority was. But I never miss a chance to go see Horde at an event. And it often, some of my favorite people at any event is going to be connected to Horde in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah. Again, they, they are, they're just a lot of fun, uh, on and off the field. And like they had, we had said earlier, winning isn't necessarily a priority for them. They sometimes play their own game when they come out on the field where whoever is quote unquote driving the bus will take their sword, spin it in the air and whatever direction the sword is pointing, that's the way that the whole horde goes. So if the sword is pointing at the smallest unit on the field, horde will go lay into the smallest unit on the field. If it's at the largest unit of the field, they'll go lay into the largest unit on the field. If it's pointing off the game. edge of the field, they'll walk off the edge of the field. Like they, they get really committed to that, uh, that sword toss game. And it's just, it's another one of the ways that they're just so fun. I fought with them at Battle for the Ring once because I wasn't in a unit. And I'm like, hey, I know Cord. And Cord's like, yes, you do know me. Come play. Uh, and we sat down and played Duck, Duck, Goose in the middle of a full-on unit battle for a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm sitting there, like, half-crouched, being like, what do it? And they're like, just calm down, man. Just 
Just play Duck, Duck, Goose. No one cares what's happening. <laughs> okay, if you insist. And then there's other times where where Horde is just on the warpath, where they're trying to like win a tournament or where they're trying to to win a banner battle, and suddenly they go from being this disorganized mass into this this unit that you need to fear because even though uh, they're not necessarily focused on fighting, uh, they do produce a lot of really good fighters uh, j- just as a result of having a really cool culture. Horde is in it to win it, and win it could be various things. Sometimes it actually even means winning it. You know, there was there was some orc logic that I had read in, in regards to like 40k that I thought really w- applied well to the Horde mentality, right? So this was this was a quote from I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it, but it was in Orcish to begin with, so it started butchered. But uh, it was you know when when orcs win, they obviously win. Uh, if orcs lose, then they're dead, so it doesn't really count. And if orcs run away, well, that just means they get to come back and fight again. I've heard other versions where if they lose, then at least they had a good fight. So right. Right. And so, and I, and I feel like this really applies to Horde as a whole too. You know, if they win the fight, great. They won the fight. You know, if they lost the fight, you know, they're dead. They don't care. And if they ran away, then that means they get to come back again. Like Horde win. Horde always win is, uh, and that's what they say too. Like any, any time you're at an event, you know exactly where Horde is because any given time there's somebody shouting Horde win. Horde win. Um, I remember reading a thing, yeah, you know, when I had the Orc Codex, and it's, you know, a really old codex at this point, I'm sure. But talking about one of the Orc leaders from 40k who got stuck in some weird chaos realm and, like, every day died fighting demons and then every morning was reborn again and went fighting, like, had to fight the demons again. And it was supposed to be this, like, chaos punishment. You're stuck battling power and corn for the rest of eternity or something like that and the orcs were right. like this is awesome <laughs> i found heaven that's what i think of of horde a lot yeah yeah they they are they are really fun they're a ram rambunctious group of of excellent fighters and excellent friends and partiers and yeah they're just they're 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 fun so we asked him, what are your plans for the future of this unit? Where are you guys going? And, uh, and Kord sent me the quotes of their captain commander, Narlhide. And they said, in my mind, Horde has three pillars. The first is roleplay. Horde has long been the premier monster slash roleplaying unit of Belagarth, and they don't see that changing anytime soon. Their goal is to facilitate that growth both internally, not to rest on their laurels, and externally by making, uh, helping other people uh, I engage in this in a fun way as well. Uh, and again, when we're talking Horde, they're usually the guys who are painted up. They've got the really cool garb. They're speaking in voices. Like they're, they're just really immersed into the, into the scene. Like they they get really into it. The second of these pillars is combat. While Horde may not be known as a combat focused unit, it still helps to produce some of the best fighters in the game. One need look no further then they're headhunters for proof of this. And it's true. If you've ever fought a headhunter, you'll know that, you know, Horde, uh, they don't produce pushovers. They've got some very good fighters that come out of their group. Yeah, there's, there's ones that I can definitely take on and, like, challenge. But, man, when they hit me, I feel it, like, on the other side of my body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got some bruisers for sure. And then the last, the third pillar is service. Horde will continue to serve the community as realm leaders, event coordinators, and helping hands wherever they are needed. And I think that's, that those are, that's like a really good mission statement 
um, from from Captain Commander Narlhide there. Uh, and those are some really good pillars too. If you've got to have a focus within this community, those are some good focuses because that's that just leads to a really good time. Just a really good time. Mm-hmm. Now, Cord wanted to to give special thanks to Kudzu, Quinn, and uh, Galia for assisting in the collection of this history. Again, Kudzu, uh, one of your original goblins, one of your original crazy men, just absolutely fantastic. Uh, Quinn uh, is is uh, Captain Commander Narlhide, uh, provided us those wonderful um, three pillars, and then. Galia. I know I've heard the name Galia, but I cannot for the life of me place the face of Galia. I don't know Galia, and I don't want to disrespect Galia, but real quick, I do want to jump back on Quinn there. We oh, sure. cannot understate how important Quinn is for null culture. Oh, yeah. Quinn is the null to end all nulls, and it is amazing to see every time. And, and made it interesting, too. At one point, I had considered being a knoll and then decided not to be one because I thought that it was too boring. Quinn, Quinn made me second-guess that decision like with, with their development of the culture. Fantastic. Just a fantastic effort there. And really fun stuff to listen to. I've, I know that Quinn has led a lot of different uh, workshops on, like, RP and that sort of thing. Well, and they do the monster panel at BFDR every year. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, which is Battle for the Ring. Yes, sorry. Thank you. All these acronyms that our listeners may not be familiar with. <laughs> I was going to say, yes, I'm sorry on the last one. We, we have both heard your name a ton. I just don't think either of us have ever met you, which makes it a little harder to uh, sing your Provide praises. an anecdote. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, that's, that's what I've got on the horde, sir. What do you got? Anything nah, else? That's, that's pretty set up. They're, they're fun. They're, they're an experience every time that you should never take an opportunity to miss. That sentence didn't work, but you got what I meant. So again, the, the two groups that we've talked about tonight, the, the, the realm of Durdamarian and the unit horde, just some fantastic old organizations that have, have their hearts in the right places, that are really solid community members, really take care of their own and really try to increase the experience of everybody they come across. Like, uh, they're, they're, these are just some solid individuals. And if you're in Nashville, uh, check out check out Durdamarian, seriously. Like, it's a, it's a fantastic realm, and even if you're just stopping by to, to, to watch and to meet people, you're not going to be disappointed. Super worth your time. And if you're at an event, you got to check out Horde Camp or, or something that Horde is doing, whether uh, one of these witch doctor trials, one of their headhunter trials, you know, or, or just any of the in-game stuff that they do. Like, I saw one person who had done he he had had like a 20 year career as a knight as like he he, his character was a human knight he didn't want to do anything more complicated than that and then later in his life later in his career he was deciding he wanted to get more into the role play aspect and so at this event they did this ritual sacrifice of his character and resurrected him as his new character and like there was this whole uh like ritual that was involved like this whole all these symbols and and words that were done up specifically for this like they really got into it it was a really cool piece of pageantry and and so that's just the sort of stuff these guys are into. And and yeah, I mean, I don't think you can talk about Durdamarian without talking about the Horde. And you can't really talk about the Horde without talking about Durdamarian. Their their histories are very well. I mean, they're very different organizations, but they they share a similar history. No they're doubt. super intertwined. So that's been our show for this week. Thank you. We'll be coming at you. Be coming at you next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about some some Jedi and some Sith, and then after that, we'll be starting with the world of Vegetius and getting into the to the late Roman Empire. 
if you're if you've been listening to this, you're like, man, I just haven't had nearly enough of the uh, of the art of wargaming. We've got the Instagram and the Facebook where you can come check us out. Uh, handle on Instagram is Art of Wargaming Podcast, and then just the Art of Wargaming on Facebook. Um, we've got an email address where if you want to uh, have a correspondence, send us some information, especially if you want to participate in our player profile uh, initiative, artofwargamingpodcast at gmail.com. And then if, you, if you're looking for more shows to listen to, we've also got our sister shows on the Earworm Network. Yeah, you can listen to me talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind uh, at General Nerdery. Just today we recorded an episode on Dragonlance. We've, we do anything that comes to mind. Or you can listen to Fried Squirms if you want to learn about horror movies. Yeah. And then uh, all these things you can find at, at the Earverm website, also at the, the, the TAO, T-A-O Wargaming.com. You can also link to that website. And then please remember to like, subscribe, and, and repost if, if it's something you're enjoying. Uh, you know, definitely go and give us a rating wherever you listen to us. It really helps us out, really helps us uh, you know, get to, new, to more people and, and get, our, get our show out there. Um, and it also helps us know that if we're doing a good job, you know, if we're, if mm-hmm. we're doing good, please let us know. Uh, if you, if you think we could do something better, please let us know about that too. We're always looking to improve. We absolutely love hearing from you. I mean, we mentioned the guy that messaged us just yesterday cause it just tickles us every time. Like we'll talk to them and it then does. we'll text each other about talking to them. And he, he actually started listening to us because, uh, Lorehammer, cause Mark had, was so nice and, and gave us that shout out on Lorehammer. And, and, and so again, it makes me think I want to, uh, if you're, if you're a Warhammer oriented person and you enjoy the lore and you haven't checked out Lorehammer, you got to check them out too. They're, they're a lot of fun and, uh, they've always got new information. Of course, Warhammer is a gigantic universe. I don't think they're going to run out of material any faster than we are in terms of just <laughs> the sheer amount of stuff they have to pull from. Um, and they're fun. You know, those guys, Mark and Eric, they, they have a really good time and their guests are always very knowledgeable. So, you know, check them out too. Um, but you know, I think for this week, this has been uh, Yaga Malark. And I'm Thumbs. Signing off.